0: This is
1: not a race against the machines, this is a race with the machines.
2: everyone, and welcome to a new Building 21 podcast. This one is from the series of discussions I'm Not Sure, and the question we're discussing today is, what is language? So this is a follow-up on a discussion we had two weeks ago at Building 21 where we're going to pick up on some of the questions that were left answered or unanswered and that we think might be of general interest for the public. So uh, here today we have with us Viola. Hello. Um, Viola, who is a program assistant at Building 21 and who often hosts our podcasts. And we also have Vidya.
0: Hello. Uh,
2: Vidya is a scholar currently working on a project at Building 21.
0: Yeah, so I'm making a chatbot that is customizable to people's idiolects, as I learned from Claudia. Um, originally, I wanted to use it to explore miscommunication and the question whether or not it's possible to tell anyone anything in any amount of time. But recently... I am thinking of using it as a tool to gift conversations to people.
1: Sorry, because I don't know all that much about linguistics, what was the term that you used? What does it mean?
0: Um, I learned it from Claudia like one or two weeks ago, and it's idiolect, so maybe you can (laughs) explain
1: it. Yeah,
2: uh, so an idiolect is basically um, a term used to describe Language as it is used by one person, so including kind of the tics that that person might have, or the words they might have more of a tendency to use in conversation. So it's meant to represent the differences between people's different conversational styles or use of language. Cool. Um... And finally, we have with us Tobias, who is a postdoc at Concordia University uh, in psychology and who recently completed a PhD in linguistics, where he investigated how speakers process grammatical structures using experimental methods. Uh, and that was at the University of Edinburgh. Tobias, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself or your interest in language?
3: Yeah, I mean, you've summarized me quite well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. I, uh, I used to live in Edinburgh in Scotland. I just moved to Canada this year. Um interest in language I mean I feel there are so many reasons to be interested in language um, one of them is definitely that it's um, it's just everywhere in like everyday life uh, right we all use language we all are like most of us try to learn languages <laughs> face the same like problems and uh, um, but also yeah the, the pleasure of exploring like uh, the world in like a, a different way I guess um, so that's sort of one thing that interests me about language. is like something that everyone has an opinion on. Um, everyone thinks certain things are right or wrong in language. Um, it's great to discuss that. The other thing is sort of that language, I guess, is an expression of human thinking and uh, cognition. Sort of it's in its most complex form. Um, so I'm really interested in the psychology of language and how you understand language, how you process sentences, um, how you put meaning into words. Um, Those kind of questions.
2: Big questions. And just to conclude the roundtable, I'm Claudia. I'm also a program assistant at Building 21 and currently doing a PhD in linguistics as well where uh, I mostly look at metaphors and creative language. So one of the first questions uh, that we tackled in the discussion and which seems kind of fundamental to understanding what language is was about drawing a line between what counts as language and what doesn't, because in current speech we refer to a lot of things as languages. Uh, Viola, do you want to give a few examples?
1: Uh, yeah. Sure. So, and obviously we have languages like English, French, uh, Mandarin, Urdu—you know—all the human languages that we think of uh, normally. Um, but then there's also things like music, which has its own notation, its own way, its own system of writing and, and reading it. Um, which could be considered a language. Um, there's programming, its own sort of language. Um, math can be considered a language. Uh, and obviously we have all of the you know, like language of flowers, language of colors, language of whatever it is that essentially we mean something that symbolizes something else that we kind of refer to as languages. For example, the fact that yellow roses symbolize friendship. and Right, exactly.
2: Yeah, and then there's also animal languages or animal communication as well.
1: Yes, this is a topic I've uh, thought a lot about, and actually, part of my my opinions were changed during last week's or two weeks ago's discussion. Um, So I I studied um, uh, anthropology and biology, and something that struck me and really annoyed me is that the idea that animals can have language is like the answer is no in biology. Animals do not have language. Animals communicate. That's one of the main differences between humans and animals. And. That's always bothered me because first of all the definition of language used to say that animals don't have language is based entirely on human languages. So obviously if you define a language as a human language, other animals don't have it because by definition they can't have a human language. And what, what kind of bothers me about this, or what bothered me quite a bit, um, is that Language is always kind of defined as more sophisticated, more complex, more complicated than just communication, uh, which I don't think is necessarily true. Um, But then uh, during the discussion, um, uh, one of of the uh, speakers, one of the the participants, argued that that is in the case that language should not be considered inherently better or worse than communication. They're just two different things. Um, and that I very much agree with. Like, I, I, I wouldn't argue that, I don't know, cobras have the same types of languages as humans. So I think as long as we kind of are on board with the idea that one is not superior to the other, um, that it's fair to say that animals don't have languages if we're defining languages as specifically human things. Um, and very generally speaking, I think language is based on, and you guys can, can correct me, but like uh, being able to talk about abstract things, things that are not in the here and now, there are certain grammatical rules, and things like that. And so far we haven't been able to find those elements in any animal communication. Maybe we will someday in the future. Um, but whereas communication is more like barking to scare away a, a predator or... To indicate that something is there, it's not as abstract.
2: Yeah, Tobias, do you have any thoughts about this? Do you think human language is superior to animal (laughs) communication?
3: (laughs) I mean, these are like lots of questions sort of in a short period of time. Like, uh, I do linguistics, or at least I used to do um, just linguistics, and of course, defining language is like the question as in like every discipline if you do uh, literature studies like what is literature if you do philosophy what is philosophy so I'm not going to claim that linguists have like an easy answer to what is language um, I don't think so much in tr- uh, of it in terms of like superiority um, and I, I, I agree that communication and language share a lot of characteristics or can it's hard to define language without referring to communication I guess if there's a difference, it's just that language is like something more, like not every piece of communication is a language. Like I guess a language is more like a system um, that's composed of like a set of expressions or you could call them symbols. So things that have a meaning, things that express something about the world. Um, And language is some kind of structured system of these symbols. And then, yeah, you can talk about additional features. So like Viola mentioned some... uh, like there are some basic features that are probably common to all kinds of languages, even like animal communication, like uh, the fact that we use our um, auditory channels to produce it, or in the case of sign languages, we use like uh, visual means of um, like producing signs um, or the fact that sort of, there's like a relationship between a speaker and a hearer or between, I guess, like different animals who communicate. So that's common to all types of communication slash potential languages. And then there are a few characteristics that are uh, more special maybe to human language, even though there's a debate about each of them. And just to mention, re-mention one of the ones you brought up, displacement. So the fact that you can talk about something that's not about the time and the place where you are right now, but about the past or the future or like about something um, even hypothetical, something that doesn't exist. That seems to be quite specific to human language, even though, I mean... People talk about like bees who are like able to indicate um, like the location of something, like where they found something, and they're like able to communicate that to each other. So that's a bit of displacement. Um, but even if that's the case, I guess there could be a difference in degree. Like humans just do it so much more. Humans are so much more creative and productive with language. So maybe that's um, maybe it's not a clear-cut boundary, but there are some um, characteristics I guess that serve to uh, set apart human language.
2: Yeah, and just to add on to that, the other important feature that I think, uh, Viola, you mentioned as well, was about the structure or the set of rules that help us um, basically define how we use the symbols or the expressions we have. Yeah, so there were lots of initiatives for trying to teach chimps language, uh, American Sign Language, Uh, in order to basically debate whether uh, language is solely human or whether it cannot be taught and learned by animals as well, in this case, especially clever animals. However, the conclusion seemed to be that even though animals can learn symbolic relations, so for example, this sign means orange and this sign means give, they cannot... Uh, learn the structure which dictates in what order they should use the symbol systematically in order to convey a certain meaning as opposed to a different meaning so for example give me orange or me give orange could have different meanings for example that I am giving you an orange or that I ask you to give me an orange in a simple language to this point uh, I would like to share the longest sentence that a chimp named Nim produced which is give orange me, give eat orange me, eat orange, give me, eat orange, give me you. So uh, it was an impressively long sentence for a chimp. However, um, even though he was, Nim was able to communicate what he wanted, the point is that he wasn't able to use systematic structures um, for communicating w- what he meant.
3: Yeah, and it really shows you how um, the way people view animal language. I mean, it really depends on like... How what you want to see in it kind of like these researchers who did this kind of research with uh, primates or different types of uh, primate species um, they probably wanted to see structure where we're not even sure if there was so much structure so it really becomes a question of interpretation as well Mm
1: -hmm. and I imagine it also depends on what is important for each animal like humans included in this but like structure is important to us for a lot of reasons it helps us in, but maybe in other forms of communication, structure d- is irrelevant, like it doesn't matter whether know you bark before you see the squirrel or after you see the squirrel, um, and so maybe that's also why we don't see it as much.
2: Yeah, I, I think structure is important because uh, insofar as you want to express many, many meanings, so if you don't have many possible meanings to express, then it doesn't matter so much if you use one structure over another, but as the amount of possible meanings you want to express increase, then you might need to have a specific structure for each because the amount of vocabulary you can use and memorize is like limited. So then the structure kind of helps you distinguish between, uh, I don't know, a case where you are the giver or where you are the receiver of something. And that is syntax. Um, but speaking of syntax, Vidya, I know that programming languages have quite a lot of that. Um, so <laughs> I was wondering if you had any thoughts about... Maybe what distinguishes programming languages from human languages and if if we can um, meaningfully describe them as languages too?
0: Well, programming languages have a very finite set of things that it can do. Uh, and then it all boils down to like ones and zeros and mathematical um, operations like ands and ors. So in that sense, I don't think that... Programming languages can express all the abstract um, components of human languages, but programming languages are meant to do are meant to help us, like humans, interact better with those mathematical representations. So, I'd consider it more as math.
1: And if, if we take programming as a language of some kind, mm. who who are we trying to communicate with? Is it with the computer? Is it with other people?
0: I was always taught um, that programming languages is the way for us to tell a computer what to do, Um, although recently, like, understandable code is also important, so in the middle of all the lines of code, you'll you'll, you'll always find, like, comments, and and those comments are written in normal, like, human English, for example, so that other programmers can understand your code. Like, at the end, the goal is always to tell the computer what to do, but other people need to be able to understand what you're writing. And at the end, you resort to the standard languages like English or Bahasa or French to make people understand. So maybe that is a hint to the difference between programming languages and others.
3: Yeah, like natural languages, as they're called, right? (laughs) It's kind of like a big term. (laughs) Lots of implications, what's natural, what's not.
2: It's it's interesting that... um, Basically, the structure or the syntax that you need to use for programming languages is very strict, so in that sense, it kind of resembles a bit human languages, but the amount of meaning you can express with it is more restricted yep. as well, so that means you cannot talk about as many things.
0: Yeah. Actually, when you brought up, like, nim- nims, mm-hmm. the okay. NIM, nims' yeah. longest sentence, it sounded very repetitive to me, and it reminded me of what some language models tend to do when they generate language. With language models, we're able to put in um, like parameters we want. For example, like repetitive, how, how repetitive, I'm oh, sorry, what is the value we give to things that are repetitive or new? Um, so yeah, if a topic has been brought up in the past, has been generated, do we want those words to be generated again? Things like that we can control. Um, and in the past, we see some language models go back in loops and we kind of judge that as something negative. So I wonder if, like, as humans, we're able to to manipulate the structure of languages to be able to communicate what we want to to other people. But in animals or in language models, there is no sense of goal that we understand, at least, with, with these um, language models. At the end, you're maximizing probability or some sort of probability. And with animals, I, I don't really know what they want. Like, maybe for Nimus, just give that food, was it?
2: Yeah, he really wanted an orange. <laughs> so <laughs> uh,
0: maybe re- repeat it around, like, orange, 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 because that's what it understood. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's almost like the opposite ends of the spectrum. Animals, I think, want a lot of things, but <laughs> maybe they they don't have very sophisticated language to ask for it. Whereas computer models, I feel like it's hard to say that they have some intention with what they do. But they might be able to use uh, either prog- like programming language or human language in very sophisticated ways.
1: <laughs> w- what I find interesting, um, though, is that uh, some, something you said, Vidya, made uh, me think of it. Recently, um, the, the, the programming is a way for humans to talk to computers. You said, and we, in theory, you know, we we have a ton of languages that we could theoretically communicate with to a computer. Yeah. Um, but only a very limited number of those words actually mean anything to a computer, right? Like, if, if you, like the comments that you see in uh, the code yes. don't mean anything yeah. to the computer because it's not yeah. in code. Um, and so I wonder how much of communication or language depends not solely on the person speaking but on the person listening to mm. the, the conversation because you can say all you want to a computer. It's not going to get anything if it's not in those codes. Same way you can... You know use really long words and fancy jargon and stuff to a five-year-old it's not going to understand what you're talking about
2: yeah i guess it takes two people to have a conversation Uh,
0: i actually remember something um i was part of a community in the past where there was this one adamant person um who used dictionary definitions of all words um yeah he's able to he was able to tell you the dictionary meaning of any word he was using and we were taking politics class together and in politics all the conversations go complicated and we use words that might not represent what we're actually thinking so we had one session where he suggested that everyone try to use the dictionary definition of all the words and basically really try to follow like formal definitions of everything and the result was that nobody spoke except for him <laughs> <Surprise>. <laughs> and another um, and like one or two other people whose native uh, languages were English. Maybe they just felt more confident. And in that sense, I thought of how sometimes when we, as like a language learner, for example, we use language without full understanding of what we're trying to say and we rely on the other person to comprehend like our body language and our expressions and why we chose certain words to guess the meaning and intentions
3: yeah that's true like if you ever look at the transcript of an actual conversation it's so much more messy than you think it is like people have incomplete sentences all the time maybe in this podcast if you think back to it uh, like the number of ams we've uh, <laughs> sort of used or like sentences we haven't finished. Uh, and it really like, but but if you, if you remember the conversation, like you don't remember these things, like you have filled in all the gaps and you have made it into like a beautiful, consistent dialogue.
2: Yeah, it's true. And um, this also makes me think about how meaning evolves. So we can have dictionary definitions, but um, as you might know too, Tobias, there's a field called historical linguistics which mostly looks at how uh, languages evolve and very often words change meaning or they acquire new meaning and new connotations. So uh, it's as if we're constantly building language as we speak, as we use it, we shape it. And um, yeah. um, And what about music? What would make us consider music a language?
1: I, I think there might be kind of two parts. Um, so first of all, um, music has its own notation. I mean, there's a lot of different ways, but the main one that we use now is, you know, the, uh, the, the staff. Sorry, the staffs so are the five lines with some kind of symbol to indicate the pitch, and then every note is on a different line or a different space to indicate the pitch and the length and the volume, and we have all of these very strict ways of writing down music. And so then someone can play something, write it down, 200 years later, someone can see, look at the same thing and understand what was meant and play it. Um, More or less, a very quick tangent is that um, metronomes only started existing in like the early 1800s or so. Um, So uh, um, a lot of Beethoven's work, for example, he was writing before and after the invention of the metronome, and so we don't actually know the speed Mm -hmm. of a lot of his symphonies and a lot of his work because there was no very accurate way of measuring it. It was just, you know play this fast but anyways um, so like with exceptions same way with writing and everything some meanings get lost some meanings get added um, but it's a pretty reliable way to keep playing the same music for for a long time Um, but then other than that I think it's also you know music tends to convey emotion and to create certain feelings in us and make us think of certain things and I don't know if that can be quite described as a language, but languages do tend to do that as well. Like someone can say a sentence and make you think of something that you haven't thought about in 10 years, or it can make you feel something, or it can it can put you in a certain mood. And I think music can do a lot of those same things.
0: Well, I realize now that you were talking about music that doesn't involve natural language. Um, I have a question, though. A lot of, well, a lot of songs now use natural language, and what do you think the non-natural language part of music adds to the natural language part of it.
3: You mean the music Like all the notes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've always been, yeah. Like, I've also wondered about that. Like, what's the relationship between the lyrics of songs and the music, and how systematic is that relationship? Because surely, like, when you emphasize something in a song, like, the music is going to emphasize it as well. But I guess that, Im- like, again, sort of that amount of expressiveness, does that make a language? Like, sort of the, the potential to express some emotion or um, some kind of, yeah, for example, emphasis or uh, importance of the content, I- is that a language in itself? So I guess I'm a bit more skeptical. Um, to me, a language is quite a conventional system, so people kind of have to agree to some extent on what something means and while we agree on the m- notation of music, I guess we agree less on the meaning of music. And also it's maybe not as um, flexibly... Um, we can't use it as flexibly as we can use language. Like uh, it, It's hard to like combine um, a lot of musical elements that have individual meanings themselves into something which is the combination of those meanings. I mean, maybe you can think of a music piece in those terms, but usually I don't think of a music piece in terms of... Um, a conversation where, for every note, I can kind of like tell what it means.
1: Um, uh, th- that's true. I think there are some conventions, and this is very cultural, so like it, it depends widely. <laughs> but then, so so is language. Um, but the most simple example I'm thinking of is if there's uh, music that's written in a in a major key versus a minor key. Um, at least the way I've always thought is major is happy and minor is sad with obviously a ton of nuance and there aren't just those things, but that I think we kind of accept. Same way, faster tends to be either more joyful or more frantic, you know, the same way when you talk faster that can express some of those things. Slower tends to be a bit sadder or more reflective. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that you, you're right. It's, it's probably not, it probably can't be Find as like a full-blown language, um, or even close to it, but I think it does have a lot of the same elements.
3: Yeah, maybe it's like a proto-language. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) like it has some language-like elements. I agree.
1: Mm -hmm. I just
0: thought of a project. (laughs) Like we can look at the soundtracks of all movies, for example. Like I, I don't. There's this one famous movie soundtrack maker that makes music for like movies that involve war. And they all sound similar to me because I'm blind when it comes to music. But we can like use data analysis or something like that and tra- try to maybe find patterns. I'll get back to,
2: to Tobias <laughs> about uh, it. That would be really cool. And I, I do believe there are patterns in music. And to me, I would say the difference maybe between music and, and language is purely referential. So that music, not purely, I mean, it's not the only difference. But the one that stands out to me is the fact that music cannot... Be used to refer to a certain object so I cannot talk about the table in this room with music or about like a certain time with music but I can evoke emotions so I think it has an effective component that is maybe even more powerful than the effective component of language or that is communicative of
1: how to you say
3: <laughs> I like the music in the background it's kind yeah. of <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> emphasizing your point. Yeah.
1: Um, I would argue a bit against that. Um, so you're right that just like that, if you hear three notes, you're not going to think, ah, that's the streetlight or something like that. Um, but in a lot of musical works, there's like leitmotifs or themes or things like, you know, if you start singing the, the Jaws theme, a lot of people will like associate it with something or the Darth Vader theme or, or whatever it is. There are themes that we associate with specific things. And again, this, it's not exactly the same thing because it depends on a lot of cultural knowledge and knowing where this music comes from. Um, But it can be learned.
2: So in that sense, it's a bit like a language. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Um, Just to transition into the next question, um, I was going to add that maybe music is a language or is communicative more on the level of thoughts than on the level of words because a piece of music can evoke something but we might not be able to express that thing with words so that is what makes it maybe more special uh, than language or what makes it attractive in and of its own Mm -hmm. Um, so the next question that we were hoping to discuss is is there a relation between language and thoughts or is it the case that we think in language or that language shapes our thoughts Tobias do you have anything to to say to this
3: yeah, um, I think a lot of people had something to say about this. I think it's like a long philosophical question. What's the relationship between language and thought? So, I mean, there's, there are some people who think that thought itself is a language. Like, when we think, the structure of our thoughts is the same structure as the one we have in language. Which doesn't mean that they're the same language, like they're still human language, as opposed to thought. Um, But yeah, so Jerry Fodor is a philosopher who like in the 70s or 80s um, wrote a book. I think it's called The Language of Thought. And he kind of put forward this hypothesis that, um, yeah, like the way we think, uh, it's so systematic and structured and you can sort of uh, segment it into components that it's actually a language. So that's one thing. um, It's quite controversial as well because uh, how do you disprove that? How do you test it? And also where does that language of thought get its meaning from? Like, are, are we born with it? Do we acquire thoughts? Um, anyway, um, so that's one discussion. The other is sort of like, um, when w- if we assume that language and thought are different, we, we can ask what's the relationship between the two. And does, for example, thought influence language? And does language influence thought? Um, now, it's quite clear that thought influences language because like, so the concepts we have in our heads, the ideas, they get translated into language. And uh, we usually only have words for the things that are important for us, like, (laughs) in terms of thoughts. Um, The other question is a bit more tricky, and maybe you guys have opinions on, like, does the way we talk shape the way we think about the world? Um, Yeah, so I I, I can give a few examples, but uh, maybe I can also, like, check what what, what your intuition is. Do do you think it does?
0: Well, I was part of a boarding school uh, for my high school. I was stuck uh, for three years on a mountain in Japan, and For those three years, we heard similar words um, almost every day. It's like catalyst for positive change, transformational leader. (laughs) So these big words um, are thrown at us every day. We use it too. And I think that being surrounded by these phrases did change my mindset on life or maybe it brainwashed me, I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think some words have a big enough like interpretation for you to leave the community that introduced you to those words with your own uh attachment to it i think i just forgot the question you asked no
3: that's uh it, it's answering the question of um of course it's a slightly more complex way like uh the words we hear of course shape who we are and that influences our thought uh, i was also asking just on the level of like Can you only interpret the world in certain ways because of the language that you speak? Like, for example, there's a speaker of uh, English versus Japanese. Uh, Interpret the world differently just uh, in virtue of that fact.
1: Um, I think to some extent. I think there's some things that don't change based on your language, but more on other circumstances of of your life. Um, I remember, and and please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I remember learning that um, in English, if you're at the table and you accidentally knock over a glass you knock over the glass. So there's an element, not necessarily of blame, but of agency, and like you are the one who caused this action, the glass is inanimate, you broke it, end of story. Whereas in Spanish, you'd be more likely to say something like, the glass broke, which doesn't describe any kind of blame or any kind of agency except for maybe to the glass, so it's more of a of an accident than a thing that you caused to happen. So I wonder whether something like that could change the way that you see things, like... Maybe the weirdest example in English is, I broke my arm, like (laughs) nobody or very few people hopefully actually break their own arms, Uh, but it is the the thing that we say rather than my arm got broken or my arm broke.
3: Sounds like uh, English speakers are like guilt tripping all the time, (laughs) (laughs) like just like, (laughs) 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 whose fault is it, who broke my arm?
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, actually, to what you said, Viola, there's a particle in Spanish, se, which you can add uh, at the beginning of, for example, a reflexive verb, and that indicates that it was not intentional, that it was an accident, or that it, it kind of happened to you, but w- without you wanting it. So se me cayo algo would be something fell to me, a kind of roughly translated, which means that it was non intentional. Yeah, cool.
3: yeah. So these are, like, uh, good intuitions, I think, and uh, many, uh, I guess, researchers also share this intuition that the grammar of the language, so, like, Viola's example is sort of, like, grammatical, that it shapes the way we uh, think about things to some extent, like, maybe the way we think about who's responsible for this uh, event. Um, There are also, like, simpler examples, maybe, in terms of uh, just the words we use. Like, languages differ quite a lot, and, for example, the number of words they have to talk about a certain thing or the types of verbs they have. Um, Like, one... Um, one area is uh, colors, so there has been a lot of research on like color terms. Languages have very different color terms, like uh, English has the color blue. I think Russian has different words for light blue versus dark blue. Mm-hmm. Um, some languages don't really distinguish between blue and green, they use the same word for those. And that seems to influence their thoughts in the sense of their perception. So the speakers of the language that languages that don't have the distinction between two colors, they would find it harder to actually see the difference between the colors. Like if you present them with examples, they can't really see the dividing line so well because the linguistic categories uh, don't uh, distinguish between uh, the like real categories, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty interesting, and there are lots of examples like that in terms of the structure of the language um, another example is gender which some languages have so there's something like grammatical gender um spanish again for example uses um has has words like sun and moon like the sun is uh, masculine in spanish and the moon is feminine german on the other hand is the other way around uh, so the the sun is feminine and you've uh, it has actually been tested and seen that speakers do have different associations with these Things depending on the language, so Germans might be more likely to perceive the sun as feminine and attribute certain stereotypical characteristics to it. Uh, whereas, like in Spanish, the the moon is probably the more feminine counterpart.
0: Other than gendered words, I think there are also categories for people. So in English, we have she, um, she, her, he, him, they, them. But in Bahasa, whenever we refer to a third person, we use one word, which is dia, no matter the gender, no matter yeah. The um, and I think other, some other languages are also similar. I think Mandarin also uses one word that doesn't differentiate between the two.
3: Words. Exactly. Oh. Lots of languages need a lot of context to be mm-hmm. understood. Like you might not even mention the pronoun at yeah. all. It might not be clear who's doing something. But out of context, you can uh, interpret that. Whereas in French, if you just have a sentence without like I, you, he, she, it at the beginning, it sounds weird, like, who, who's doing this thing? And I wonder if that influences the way speakers think about the world, or, like, again, their communication, like, maybe speakers who rely more on context, they're more, like, attuned to, uh, like, taking cues from the environment. Um, so, yeah, it, it would almost be surprising if all these differences between languages didn't influence um, the way we think about the world and the way we perceive the world.
2: Yeah, And back to Vidya's point, um, it is also true that the words we are taught to use in order to think, I mean, obviously influence our thinking, but um, that just reminded me also of like cognitive behavioral therapy uh, and the fact that very often uh, when you have, for example, intrusive thoughts, uh, you are taught how to replace some of the words you use, for example, to think about yourself or to think about certain events in order to make it more positive and how like, those words eventually shape the way you think about the event, so that it becomes more and more intuitive to see it in a different light because you are taught to use certain words. But that's it's it's a different uh,
3: topic. Super interesting.
2: So I guess this also relates a bit with how language helps us define ourselves, how it contributes to our sense of self, and maybe also to our memories, um, because we might use language in order to. Um, remember things as well and to construct narratives about our experiences so yeah i was wondering what your thoughts were on that
0: i have an agreement with my brother if we're talking about serious um, career stuff we have a startup together we speak in english but if we're talking about personal life we always speak in basa because if we try to speak about things that are personal using english we end up fighting (laughs) <laughs> what how come you end up fighting Such
3: an angry language I
0: um I I haven't I haven't found the answer but some things I thought of was that we grew up together in Indonesia but then he left to Japan and then to Germany and then I went to a different part of Japan and then to Canada and we're surrounded by very different people and our use of English is very different as well other than that we associate in bahasa with a lot of Childhood memories, I think, where everything was much simpler. So maybe we don't fight a lot in Bahasa because of that.
2: I see. And would you say that um, you identify more with Bahasa, or like when you have like more personal thoughts, would you use Bahasa, or maybe not use language at all? I used to think that I
0: am able to express myself more with Bahasa, but that was when I was still in Japan. Now that I don't use Bahasa other than when I'm speaking with my family uh, on like a phone call for six, seven years now. Um, I find myself struggling <laughs> to use Bahasa as well as I did. So I, I don't know.
3: Uh, it's super interesting. I think we all have uh, individual histories. And yeah. I mean, like, If your question was whether language is connected to identity, uh, I think so strongly, right? Like, I mean, we we are in Montreal here. It would be really hard to not see (laughs) how a lot of uh, identity and political issues are intricately uh, connected to language.
2: I guess the reverse of that question is, if we didn't have language, would we have a sense of self?
1: I think it would certainly be different. um, Because like both of you were saying, or uh, at least my sense of self or my ide- sense of identity is very linked to, to the languages I speak. Um, I've noticed I have a slightly different personality in different languages. Um, I, I speak uh, French and Italian, um, and I've noticed that if I'm talking to like a cute baby or animal, I'll speak to it in Italian. <laughs> if I'm talking to an annoying bug, I'll speak to it in French. <laughs> I don't know what that means about either of the languages. <laughs> I'll leave that up to interpretation. Um... And I, I think my, my, my mom told me once that when I was small, depending on who I was talking to and what language, I would be, I would act quite differently. And yeah, I think just depending on different moods and different circumstances and just how I'm feeling, the language really affects or I, I want to associate with one language more than, than the other, either for practical reasons, like it's easier to express uh, certain ideas in English versus another language, or just... That's
3: the part of me I want to access at that moment. Yeah, and and languages are means of cultural transmission, and I guess a lot of our identity does depend on cultural practices or collective identity. I mean, we have an individual identity for sure, but uh, it's also shaped a lot by uh, other people's identities and the identity of the group we belong to. And since communication in that group works via language, I guess if we didn't have language, we'd be uh, missing... uh, quite a lot of, like, important parts, but uh, it's actually a really interesting question. I'm going to think about who am I or who would I be if I didn't have language? <laughs> yeah,
2: because I...
3: Hmm. There you go. That's <laughs> you <laughs> without language. Exactly, exactly,
2: exactly.
0: I remember that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had a scholar host a conversation about self, mm-hmm. um, and I remember when I... After I gave my working definition of what the self is, the the quickest response by a person sitting next to me was you were able to come up with um your definition of self thanks to the construction of the world based on the words you're using which is human my 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 definition of self is taking away like human and worldly aspect of it and basically the reply to that was i wouldn't have this definition of self if i didn't know about the world and language I associate it as part of the world so
2: yeah I was gonna say that uh, also without language we wouldn't have a means of kind of grasping experiences in the same way and placing concepts around them Um, maybe we would be feeling more and maybe we would have a different sense of self but I think perhaps a less rigid one because language allows you to pick up things whether it's perceptual stimuli or um, things in memory and it, it allows you to place a fence around it and to then be able to refer to that same thing repeatedly and thus entrench the concept and therefore this concept can become a part of your identity so for example if you didn't have any words to talk about childhood trauma let's say then perhaps it couldn't be as um, important to your identity, or maybe it would be on a subconscious level because it would still influence the way you are, but you wouldn't be able to think about yourself as much, I think, without language.
1: And and you're right. I think that we, just from what I've noticed about different discussions at B21 and elsewhere, we like defining things very much. Um, and I was just thinking, um, you know, all, all of the... All of the stupid personality quizzes or things like that where it's like, ah, you're this kind of person or, like, those quizzes are an example but even just, like, you know, how you define yourself uh, like icebreakers or or things like that like, ah, I I enjoy doing this I like this, I am this type of person and all of those get kind of sucked into us somehow, like, you know uh, and then when there's a change, that can be, at least in my experience, that can be a little bit jarring because, um for example, when I, when I was little, I read a ton. Um, and then by the time I got to high school, I wasn't reading as much. I didn't have as much time. I was watching more TV and everything. And I still defined myself as a reader. And then one day I was like, wait, but I haven't been reading. Like This, isn't, <laughs> this is no longer who I am. And then I tried very hard to reverse it. And I've been successful, which I'm very happy about. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we would still have a sense of self without language. But it would be a very different type of sense of self than what I think a lot of people feel now
2: yeah I think it would be much more immediate, and everything would feel more like, I don't know, a continuous flow of stimuli. and you could maybe place yourself with respect to like your immediate experiences, but maybe not draw conclusions over like long stretches of time because, um, yeah, I also wonder how memory would be without language because it feels like we use language a lot in order to crystallize things that happened to us and be able to refer to them again. But without language, you wouldn't be able to refer to it. So it's like there wouldn't be an opportunity for it to become as important.
0: I think when we're trying to learn or define new things, we also rely on the knowledge of other people. And language helps us like communicate with others, right? Like I, I was sure that I knew my sense of self before that B21 conversation. But when I was trying to explain it to others, we all... I think I left the room with like five different interpretations of what my <laughs> definition of self was. Um, I, th- I said something like, self is everything minus world.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there needs to be something left and I don't know what that is. Um, yeah, I, I have the definition of self in my head and I took 15 minutes to think of how to explain it in English and that's what I came up with.
2: Yeah, and I think um, that's another interesting point which we sort of glossed over. uh, But um, this fact that we maybe do not think in language and in a sense language also imposes some restrictions on what we can express uh, and that maybe there is parts of ourselves which will never be known to others or maybe even to us because we do not have means of uh, expressing them. But I don't know some people I met a professor uh at McGill in literature who was convinced that we need language to think and that everyone thinks in language and uh that made me very angry because <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't be so bad at expressing myself if every thought I had yeah. was already embedded in language so I think it's a it's a very interesting mystery um How do thoughts work? And I might read a bit from Fodor Uh uh, just in order to have someone else to disagree with.
3: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like this really leaves me with uh, just thinking how important language is because in this conversation you constantly hit this line where you want to talk about what it would be like without language, but I mean you can only use language to talk about it and every sentence I say contains the word talking or uh, expressing myself and like all of this works by language. So language is everywhere, I guess but at the same time it's not everything like uh, there is something else and uh, th- there are reasons to try and go beyond language I or know. like to, to escape the restrictions of language as you was saying um, so yeah it's it's a uh, it's really hard to like um, to place yourself or like like just to, des- to decide how language carves up your life and uh, yeah I think what else d- you have left
0: I think it would be interesting to have this podcast yeah um, fully in another
2: language it's true it's true okay let's start over (laughs) Um, no but yeah maybe just as some concluding remarks so um we said at the beginning that yeah there's maybe a distinction between language and communication and that language can do these extra things that communication cannot do like for example talk about abstract concepts and uh, use um, reliable structures which have also certain meanings associated with them so there's Basically, more precision in language maybe than in communication. However, I after the discussion, I also feel like there are things which you can do in communication that you cannot do with language. So, for example, body language, facial expressions. So, l- language is extremely useful as a form of communication, but at the end of the day, communication is maybe the more interesting even um, concept philosophically because because it's broader and because maybe you can see it in more beings and in more instances, whereas, for example, certain things in language cannot be expressed, you could argue that there is always a way of communicating something, whereas there might not be a way of saying it. So I can think of art, for example, which can approximate maybe things that cannot be said in words. Um, I'm also impressed by how communication draws bridges between people whereas otherwise every experience would only exist in isolation so we could argue that without communication there would be a void or a sadness maybe or less meaning because we sort of need those bridges in order to um yeah experience more of each other
0: i like your idea of communication and bridges so just if you think of like all the possible ways to communicate as bridges. I like that language or natural language exists because to me at least, natural language is kind of like a sturdy bridge. At the end of the day, if you struggle, you can always open a dictionary. Whereas for art, I don't think a dictionary exists.
2: No, I, I think that's a very good point, actually, that language is maybe the sturdiest bridge we have because we all willingly or not agree on it. We all use the, the same system, whereas other forms of communication among humans might be uh, more vague or yeah, less well-defined, even though they could also be very powerful.
1: Um, but you can talk to someone and not communicate <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> <laughs> or <like laughs> communicate the wrong thing or lead to misunderstanding. Even if you're speaking the same language... I mean, to some extent, obviously language is a subcategory of, c- or is a s- part of communication, is a kind of communication, but I wonder how far that goes.
2: Yeah, I think uh, th- that really resonates with me and maybe I, I would see it more as a Venn diagram where language mm-hmm. and communication overlap to quite a great extent, but because language, as you said, can be used to make meaningless sentences like a classical example is um uh, Tobias you might know it better
3: but yes, the one with colorless green ideas sleep furiously.
2: Exactly. Thank you. I was going to mix it up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> I don't but think it would change the meaning because there's not much meaning in it. <laughs> yeah.
2: That is true.
3: <laughs> it's always good to conclude with a Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, and I agree. Um this like it's been a really interesting conversation like it's made me realize once more uh, how important I think language is, and um, I think how interesting it is as well as, as as something to study, even just because it gives me a job. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you
2: must be happy to be studying it. Exactly. Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No,
3: it hasn't changed my mind, uh, but at the same time, you make me think like a lot about the limitations of language, or uh, how it's different from uh, communication or other forms of communication and music and everything. And like, I never even thought about like uh, what the self is. <laughs> In relation to language, so uh, thanks for like leaving me with those thoughts.
2: So thank you to all our listeners for tuning in for this episode of our B21 podcast series. Uh, Again, this one was on what is language, uh, and I was with Viola, Vidya, and Tobias. Thank you guys for joining me, and uh, see you all soon or listen to us soon. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having us.